News Network. In 1970, Ray Davies wrote, Girls will be boys and boys will be girls. It's a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world. Now I ask you, who would have ever thought of Ray Davies as a prophet? Well, that's a discussion worth having a beer over. So, pardon the expression, some straight talk. You're in luck. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And straight talk is what we do. And your Latter-day Prophet is Dan Newman. <laughs> Latter-day Prophet. Well, let me just say this. I don't think it's the latter days. I think we're close to the latter days. And I think if you look down south right now and see what's happening at our southern border, you'll agree. It's something big about to happen, an explosion. We're going to dig into the latest. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Thank you for being part of this entire operation. You're a Operation has sent me around the globe today. I'll tell you a little bit more about it during the show. But you've got crazy things happening down at our southern border. Who would have looked at this today and said, without maybe even seeing anything, hearing anything the last two years about immigration, illegal immigration in the U.S., who would have thought what you're seeing today is actually the southern border of the United States of America. It's unbelievable. It's unheard of. Never been done ever before in U.S. history. Thank you, President Joe Biden. Thank you, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Thank you, Democrat Party. You have changed the face of what used to be the freest, fairest nation on the planet. You've turned us into literally the very beginning. But you don't want it to be the very beginning very long. You want it to be the face of this nation for the world. We are a nation of criminality, illegality, and guised in the name of we've got to let these people come in because they just deserve to do what anything that they could possibly want to do. We've got to facilitate it. We don't know who they are. We don't know their histories. We don't know who they are bringing with them. We know nothing about them. We don't know about their disease. We don't know how many murderers, child rapists there are in the group. And you know how I can say we know for certain there are people like that in the groups? Because over the last two and a half years, we have stopped dozens of those kind of people. In many cases, sadly, after they commit their criminal acts against legal Americans that are just trying to be legal Americans and do the right stuff. It's not good. This is a bad day for the United States of America. And though it is... Not Monday. Seems like it's a rainy day. It seems like our nation that's been blessed for 240 years is being rained on today. Talking to myself and feeling old Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging 
nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. What I've got they used to call the blues. Nothing is really wrong. Feeling like I don't belong. Walking around some kind of lonely clown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Funny, but it seems I always wind up here with you. Nice to know somebody loves me. Funny, but it seems that it's the only thing to do. Run and find the one who loves me. What I feel is come and gone before. No need to talk it out. We know what it's all about. Hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Funny, but it seems. That it's the only thing to do. Run and find the one who loves me. What I feel has come and gone before. No need to talk it out. We know what it's all about. It's not Monday, but it is undoubtedly a bad day for the United States of America. While you were sleeping last night, it got absolutely nuts down at the southern border. And of course, our president, who refuses to say anything negative about maybe being partially responsible for what's happening there, he is telling us, me and you, to prepare for a chaotic period, his terms. You guys get ready for a chaotic period at the southern border as the U.S. faces a potentially historic migrant surge. You think? The ending of Title 42 really started it, but it was well underway before this happened. Officials saying it'll be a while before the plan to cope with the surge shows results. They had no idea what they were talking about. We've seen, and we'll get into what is going on down there 
during this show this morning. Title 42, in case you don't remember, it's a public health order that allows for the rapid expulsion of migrants at the border because of the COVID-19 pandemic. That ended last night at midnight with the ending of the COVID-19 national emergency. So in the days leading up to the end of Title 42, agents have been encountering some historic levels of over 10,000 migrants a day pouring across our southern border. 10,000. You do the math. 30 days, 300,000. Those are the ones we know about. Authorities already preparing for releases of migrants with no court dates. They're releasing them onto the streets. We'll get into more of that in just a few moments. Joe Biden and his administration, they have constantly touted a wide-ranging plan. Oh, yeah, we've got it figured out. It includes stifling Title Eight penalties. That's an asylum rule to make everybody who comes here illegally ineligible for asylum. Cooperation with Mexico, a surging of resources and personnel, sending a bunch of them down to the border. But they didn't do that. Even with that all in place, at least verbally, top administration officials, including the president, by the way, have painted a gloomy picture of what lies ahead in the coming days. It's going to be chaotic for a while, Biden told reporters yesterday, even as he touted international cooperation with countries like Mexico. He made similar remarks, and he urged Congress to provide more funding. Well, we've had chaos at the border for a number of years, he said, before he got aboard Air Force One. We have to fully fund the border security effort. Now, let me just put in context what your president said. He's saying Congress has got to give me more money to spend. Let me tell you what. He doesn't get another dime, in my opinion. Nobody gets another dime in government for any reason until this president has everybody that works for him, including Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, everybody that works at Customs Border Patrol, ICE, every federal official, FBI, all of the departments of the government begin to enforce congressional passed and presidential signed into law laws. You do what you legally are required to do under the Constitution, Mr. Biden, will take care of your business as President of the United States. Until then, you need to resign before you get tried for treason. You've never heard anything like that come out of my mouth on this show in four seasons, four years. I have had enough of the insanity, and he's just getting started. Mayorkas, here we go. He's painted a grim picture, too. Shocking. He's also appealed to Congress, give us more money. Give us an immigration reform package. Mr. Mayorkas, did you hear my instructions to your boss, President Biden, a minute ago? We're not giving you a dime. We're not giving you an inch. We're giving you nothing but a trial for treason unless and until you begin to enforce 
federal law that your boss, then-Senator, now President Biden, himself signed when they voted for every one of those federal immigration laws. He agreed with them. He voted yay to pass every one of them. Hold people accountable that break the law. Mayorka said, I have said this for months and months, that the challenge at the border is and is going to be very difficult. And we've spoken repeatedly about the fact that the difficulty may actually only increase at this time of transition. It's going to take a period of time for our approach to actually gain traction and show results. We see the results, Mayorkas. We see them approaching already since midnight last night. One million illegals flooding across our southern border because you refuse to enforce the law. Mayorkas has never even admitted we have a crisis at the border. He was asked what Americans should expect. And he said that Border Patrol facilities are already packed. Agents encounter over 10,000 migrants a day. We could see very crowded as we are now. We could see very crowded Border Patrol facilities. I can't overstate the strain on our personnel and our facilities. But we know how to manage through such strain, as difficult as it will be. I have tremendous confidence and pride in our personnel. And he, too, he went after Congress. He said Congress has failed to fix what he called a broken immigration center. I won't even go into how he explained those thoughts because they mean absolutely nothing. Now, there is some slightly good news a federal judge has blocked a, a brand new catch and release policy that was announced by Joe Biden's border deputy shortly before they lifted the Title 42 border barrier at midnight. It's a temporary restraining order. That's called a TRO. It was signed by federal judge T. Kent Weatherill of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida after a request by Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody. Now, it only lasts up to 14 days, and here's what it says. DHS is enjoined. In other words, you got to stop. Don't implement or enforce the parole policy contained in the May 10, 2023 memorandum from U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz titled Policy on Parole with Conditions and Limited Circumstances Prior to Issuance of a Charging Document. So what is this all about? Well, a TRO, it's a, a very extraordinary measure they can use from time to time that preserves the status quo while a federal trial judge is determining whether to give a preliminary injunction or even a permanent injunction. A PI, permanent injunction, lasts all the way until the final judgment in a lawsuit, though in this case, the Biden folks will promptly take the PI to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit in Atlanta. This order would stay in place during that time. In other words, they just keep coming on in. And by the way, they don't just come on in and hang out at the border. This plan, this memo that Border Patrol Raul Ortiz issued, it gives them authority to just let these people go. We don't know who they are. 
We don't know where they're going to go. We just give them a cell phone, a pocket full of U.S. dollars, and send them on their way. This court decision's impact is still unclear. Mayorkas seems determined to admit a bunch of job-seeking migrants. For example, he might try to divert the migration through other questionable legal loopholes or announce that the U.S. superpower does not have the money to detain the migrants. I, I just can't believe these people are making these outlandishly illegal untruthful statements. Well, we don't have the money to detain them. Why don't you just follow the law and turn them around and send them back across the border like the law says you are supposed to do? In each of the last three days, 10,000 migrants have crossed. We're just getting started, folks. We're just getting started. A bunch of these migrants that come to the U.S.-Mexico border, they come in the hopes of being released into our interior. And many of them, most of them, have been versed on what to say, and they're going to say, I'm leaving my country because of crime. I'm looking to secure a job in the U.S. But what they don't know is neither of those claims under the law is valid neither justifies asylum in the U.S. Their goal is ultimately to claim asylum and be subsequently released into the U.S. interior. And they're doing that through Biden's expansive catch-and-release network, which we just told you has been put on hold just for a, a little bit by that judge in Florida. One migrant family, a 23-year-old Honduran man named Roberto, as well as his teenage sister and father. They said they're fleeing crime in their native country and want to find work here. Another migrant from Venezuela said he's fleeing violence as well as the country's poor economic conditions, saying residents don't make enough money to afford full meals. Crime and inability to find a job are not valid claims for asylum either, as the Department of Homeland Security has made clear. Asylum is special. It's reserved for those who can actually prove with facts they're being persecuted on the basis of race, religion, nationality, or political opinion. Those that are persecuted because of their ties to a particular social group, in some circumstances, they can also qualify for asylum. One couple that fits that bill from Colombia said they left their five kids behind, gave no reason as to how they qualify for asylum in the U.S. Having facts, having substantive purpose, legal purpose, whatever you want to call it, in this administration's purview, from top to bottom, none of that matters. None of the law matters. None of the rules matter. I'm Joe Biden. You do what I tell you to do. The Los Angeles Times, they interviewed a dozen migrants making their way to the border. Most said they want to come here to get a job, get away from crime in their native country. In one case, care for elderly relatives that are already living here. Very few migrants, historically. Listen to what I'm going to tell you throughout American history. 
hardly any migrants end up getting asylum. That has to come through a court decision. Hardly any of them ever receive it after they go before the court and they present the evidence to back up what their claim is. Well, guess what? Thanks to a bunch of backlogs in the federal immigration court system, many migrants will be released, just let go into the interior and likely remain, regardless of whether they have valid asylum claims. In New York City, for example, some migrants with very dubious asylum claims will not even have to go before an immigration judge until the year, listen, 2033, 10 years, they can stay here, do whatever they want to do, work wherever they can get work, sponge on the American people, and it's because of Joe Biden's policies and how backed up the system is. Let me ask you this. Are you okay with any of this? I don't care how big your heart is. I don't care how good a Christian you are. I'm a Christian. I I am in another, I'm in a foreign country and have been since Monday of this week. I'm in Africa. And I came here to do my part to find a way to help people that cannot help themselves. Did you get that? Does that sound like what's happening at our southern border to you? We don't know who can and who cannot help their people. We don't know. You know why? Because you no longer have to tell anybody. According to the Biden administration, according to every Democrat in Congress, according to every person that works in the Biden administration, you don't have to have valid claims. You don't have to abide by the law. You can just come on in And you have blanket permission to do it because Joe Biden said it's okay and he really doesn't care what the law says. If he did, guess what he'd do? He'd do one of two things. First thing he'd try if he doesn't like the existing laws is petition Congress to change them and give them some instances, some ideas to look at and make some decisions about what you might consider doing. Changing laws, maybe even making it legal for some of these people to come here and stay, but oh, no, no, no. That would mean more than get let in legally will get sent away legally. And we can't do that. We got to let them flood the nation. We'll pay the bill. When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies... How do you spell relief? TNN, the Truth News Network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. 
When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. In a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network. So what do you think is happening down in Texas? You know, it's not just a line drawn across the bottom of the map of the United States. There are several states down there that are right in the middle of all of this insanity. One of the biggest is Texas. Texas, since the beginning of Biden's illegal immigration, Texas has been the state that has suffered the worst. And we could go exhaustively into all of the details about what Texans have seen happen to them, deaths, 600,000 criminal acts committed against them in two years, everything from murder down to breaking and entering. We've, we've covered all those things for you. We could talk about that. We could. But why don't we talk about what's happening specifically inside Texas right now? You know, states in the United States aren't totally governed by just one government for the whole state. They have counties in Texas. In Louisiana, we have parishes. But several South Texas counties have already issued disaster declarations. They did it from the very beginning. Hidalgo County Judge Richard Cortez, who, by the way, I know personally, yesterday he issued a disaster declaration that allows his county, Hidalgo County, to get relief funds from who? The taxpayers. Who would that be? Me and you. The county sits right across the Rio Grande Valley from Mexico. There have been reports of thousands of of would-be illegal immigrants located across the river waiting to cross all this week. About the same time, Cameron County Judge Eddie Trevino, he too issued a disaster declaration in response to the threat of widespread and severe damage, injury, and loss of life and property resulting from this border security disaster. The border security disaster went into effect immediately and it's going to last for seven days until further review. Cortez said this. He received word that some 20,000 illegals were ready to cross into Hidalgo County overnight. His county is located at the very southern tip of Texas. You go to Houston, and you get on 59, Highway 59. Coming out of Houston, you could just go straight south, all the way down to the southern border. I've received credible information from officials with Customs and Border Protection that large groups of migrants are probing our international border. They're in search of crossing points. I've decided, he said, to declare this emergency as a first step in securing all available state and federal resources to ensure the health and safety of our residents. He noted that when it comes to illegal immigration, his county, they have no authority. Think about that. Sheriffs, police chiefs in towns and villages have no authority regarding anything to do with illegal immigration. It's the sole right and power and responsibility of the United States of America federal government. 
They can't do anything about it. Nobody down there has the authority or the capacity to handle all of this, although Texas Governor Greg Abbott has taken some steps to deal with border security in the last few days and during the last month. Other counties along the border, they've called on the Biden folks to take emergency action in response to this disaster. Federal officials have fought in court to keep Title 42 in place, but it was ordered by courts to be lifted at midnight. A full response by FEMA, that's the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and the National Guard, like they would in any other disaster where they provide boots on the ground for housing, food, transportation, and health care, that would be the very beginning. That's according to Douglas Nichols, the mayor of Yuma, Arizona. Oh, by the way, another border state, California and New Mexico, are the along with Texas and Arizona, those southern border states. So what are the Republicans saying? They criticized the Biden administration for what they said was a poor response to the border crisis and illegal immigration. You know what? The definition of insanity, I, I don't let you call in and tell me what it is. Everybody knows what it is. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. And then every time you do it over and over, over and over and over again, you expect different results than you got the previous times over and over and over and over again. You know what? Delaware, the home of President Biden, and Washington, D.C., that's the seat of our government. I think every resident of that state in the District of Columbia need to be forced to go to the southern border at taxpayer expense. We'll send them there. And they need to be forced to watch what's happening down there to American citizens because the guy from their state and all those representatives that represent all 50 states, I'm talking about those in Congress, what their actions are doing to the people of just South Texas. You want to stretch it out a bit? Go to Louisiana. Go to Florida. Go to Alabama, Mississippi. Go look what's happening there. Oklahoma, Arkansas. This debacle is not a southern border crisis anymore. It's a national crisis because these people have surreptitiously been being sent at your expense for months to every state in the union. They've even sent some to Hawaii, Alaska. What are we going to do? Wake up one day and say, oh no, we've got a bunch of illegals parked in our streets camping out on our street corners. They're stealing. They took our dogs and we caught them cooking our dogs and eating our dogs. That happens already. It's happened already. And there are right now 
waiting to get in. There were more than 150,000 people standing on the southern side of the Rio Grande River at midnight last night when Title 42 expired. Now I'm going to nauseate you. I'm going to tell you something Mayorkas said. (laughs) Hours before this Title 42 expired last night, Mayorkas said, (laughs) I can't even get it out of my mouth. I'm going to quote him. This is a challenge, and we are going to meet this challenge we're going to meet it within a broken immigration system while adhering to our values, not our laws, not respecting the laws of any of the 50 states or all these counties and parishes. No, no, no. We're not going to respect the rule of law. We are going to, he said, adhere to our values. Mr. Mayorkas, would you please delineate? Let us know what your values consist of? Better yet, why don't you make the list and then down at the bottom of it, why don't you say, I hereby resign my office as Secretary of Homeland Security and I'm turning my keys in. Our nation would be in much, much better condition. He did though. He did go out of his way He warned those migrants. Ooh, he warned them. He gave a new warning. Last night, he addressed some reporters in a briefing, and he just told them exactly what's going to go on. The government will now use its authority under Title VIII, he said, to impose steep penalties on migrants who cross the border illegally, including a minimum five-year ban on re-entry and potential criminal prosecution. He said that. Why hasn't he been doing that? Title VIII didn't just show up. It's been there. He said, I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open. He actually, don't spit your breakfast up. He actually said that. I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open. People who cross our border unlawfully and without a legal basis to remain will be promptly processed and removed. If you believe that he is going to adhere to what he said there, say amen real loud, loud enough for me to hear. I'm listening. I don't hear any amens. Just yesterday, in Texas, border agents, 10,000. New Mexico, approximately 10,000. Arizona, approximately 10,000. And we're just getting started. We are just getting started. I don't know if it will stop. I don't know at this point if it can stop. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he stepped in yesterday And even though he's not a border state, many, many of these illegals are ending up in his state of Florida and they're having all kinds of problems. You could imagine, you just don't, you just don't take a bunch of people from a foreign country, people that you don't know anything about, people that have nothing, they have no directives and they have no legal basis to be 
in your state, your county, your city, you don't know what to do with them. Just imagine how they feel. It's got to be chaotic for them, too. DeSantis signed a sweeping immigration bill that imposes really tough penalties and brand new restrictions on these undocumented immigrants and gave the Republican lawmakers additional $12 million for a migrant relocation program. Last year, the governor, DeSantis, flew roughly 50 mostly Venezuelan asylum seekers from Texas to Martha's Vineyard off the Massachusetts coach. Remember that? People up there went crazy. You know why you sent them to Martha's Vineyard? Because they had been touting for months, we're a sanctuary city. We love illegal immigrants. We'll take them in. So how about a plane full of 50 of them? They went nuts. Martha's Vineyard went nuts and they kicked them all out. In fact, they found a way to get them out of town and send them somewhere else almost overnight. They said, we don't have the infrastructure for that. Think about Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California. You think they built in the infrastructure to take a million or so illegals in? This Florida bill was approved last week by the legislature. It's considered among the toughest steps taken by any state to stop illegal migrants from coming. DeSantis, he said something, made some good sense. We have to stop this nonsense. This is not good for our country. He signed that bill into law day before yesterday. The end of Title 42 has brought a surge of migrants to the southern U.S. border. The Biden border crisis has wreaked havoc across the U.S. and has put Americans in danger, DeSantis said. In Florida, we're not going to stand idly by while the federal government abandons its lawful duties to protect our country. The legislation I signed today gives Florida the most ambitious anti-illegal immigration laws in the country. The bill will enhance penalties for human smuggling, strengthens employment requirements, including making an employer where 25 or more workers use the federal electronic system E-Verify to check the immigration status of potential new hires. Those are legal things. Governors don't have to do that. Their president doesn't do it. Why should they have to do that? And you know, that is a, that's simply insane to even think that's something that we should even talk about. So what are the numbers? What do you think the numbers down there are so far? It's approaching one million. Since mid-2020, hundreds of thousands are waiting in Mexico to rush the border. And they started coming in last night when it ended at 12 midnight, and they're still coming, and they're going to continue to come. You know they're not going to stop until they're stopped. And who is the only entity that can legally do it? It's not those border states. It's the President of the United States. 
that's not the only thing that's happening in our world, and I don't want you to get upset with me because how stoked I am about, and I'm, I'm really angry. No, I'm not angry. I'm mad. I'm mad because this should not be happening in our nation. We formerly were one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. These people aren't getting justice. Justice is part and participle of the law. They're not receiving what are included, the things that are included in our laws. They're getting an illegal pat on the back, handshake, put on buses and even flown across the nation in chartered jets, given cash, given places to stay free, and American taxpayers are paying for it? You want to tell me what's caused our massive inflation? That money that the Biden administration is spending, you know, they're in a battle about trying to blackmail Republicans to raise our debt limit. That's totally driven by stuff like this. How much is all this costing America? Has anybody asked that? I'm going to see if I can find some place during the break and come up with an answer. It'll be an estimate. But how much is this costing in the nation? Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever. Schneider. The beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these days. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to die or any die. Well, I have no idea what has happened. I apologize. I can't hear anything. Now I've got my ears back. I am so sorry. I uh, actually was out trying to find the estimated cost of illegal immigration. While I'm waiting for this information to pop up, let me tell you where I am. I'm in Harare, 
Harari. Have you ever heard of Harari? It's in Zimbabwe in Africa. And I've been here all week long. I've been working on projects to help people around the world, not just here, not even just in the United States, but people that can't afford to live. And there are millions of people, even billions of people here that fall into that category. I'll be back in the saddle back in the U.S. next week. But for those of you who knew I was coming and uh, you've been praying for me, I want to tell you prayers have worked. Please continue. It's really awe-inspiring to see how many people, how many everyday people around the world really care for people that are being honest, doing their best, and just can't make it happen. I've been ranting and raving the show today about illegal immigration and what's happening at the southern border. And maybe I've gone off the edge a little bit, and I'm sorry, I'm just sick and tired of watching our nation turn into a third world country when it didn't have to. You realize two and a half years ago, even after COVID-19, our economy was much stronger than it had been in any one of the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, even after COVID. But none of that matters to this group of Democrats running the U.S. Senate and the White House and the Biden administration. It doesn't matter to Joe Biden. It doesn't matter to people in his administration. And you know how I can say that? No, I'm being truthful when I say that. If they cared, they would refuse to be a part of it themselves. But even when they don't speak up, they're not speaking up, shows their complicity in the lawlessness that is playing out there. And it doesn't matter if it's illegal immigration at the southern border, if it's illegal drug running, if it's a president's son and a president that has very credibly been alleged to have taken tens of millions of dollars from our number one foe on the planet, from China. None of that matters when it comes to what's right, what's wrong. What it comes to is making changes. You've heard me say on this show multiple times, nothing changes, no matter what you need to change, no matter what's in your life you don't like, what you don't want, what you think is wrong. Unless you change some of the things that cause those to happen, Nothing's going to change. You're going to get the same results over and over and over again. And that is stifling the hope of tens of millions of Americans. And how do you think this is all going to end? Nobody talks about that. I, we'll get to that in just a second. I told you I'd find out what immigration is costing us. At the beginning of this year, the net cost of illegal immigration for the U.S. at the federal, state, and local levels and, and we've got an at least number, at least $150.7 billion. Now, where did that number come from? That not-for-profit fair, they came up with the number by subtracting the tax revenue paid by illegals, which is just under $32 billion, from the gross negative economic impact of illegal immigration, which is $182 billion. Now, please know this. These are all estimates. In 2017, the estimated net cost of illegal migrants was about $116 billion. 
in just five years, the cost to Americans has increased by nearly $35 billion. Illegals cost each American taxpayer at least $1,156 a year, $957 after you factor in the taxes that they pay. Each illegal alien or U.S.-born child of illegal aliens cost us $9,000 a year. Cost us. Evidence shows that tax payments by illegals cover only about a sixth, one-sixth of the costs they created at every level combined in the country. A big percentage of illegals who work in the underground economy frequently avoid paying any income taxes at all. Many illegals actually receive a net cash profit through refundable tax credit programs. Until this mess happened here, every day, we had over 10,000 illegal crossings in average across our nation. Not a single one had to happen. What are we going to do about it? What can we do about it? Will we do anything about it? Our elected officials, they're going crazy. New York City Mayor Adams... And he's one politician that I don't have a lot of respect for. I really hoped for a lot of good things because he came from a career in law enforcement in New York City. He knew it inside and out. But he's turned, he's become a politician, go figure. He's considering abandoned prison. And he has now asked property owners to house these illegals coming across our southern border that turn up in his city. He considered the idea in a call with county officials yesterday. New York is struggling to find places for these thousands more asylum seekers that are already arriving following Title 42 expiring last night. Those that come up here, we got to find a place for them to stay. In this phone call, he said his administration needs help from neighboring counties as the city's already provided housing, food, and other services to 65,000 asylum seekers over the past year. Now, put that in the context of what happened yesterday in Texas, 10,000. Day before, 10,000. Day before, 10,000. Day before, 10,000. He's had a total over the last two years of 65,000. That's just a good week for Texas. The mayor didn't rule out the suggestion from Newburgh Supervisor Gil Paquadio that the mayor consider vacant housing at SUNY New Paltz as well as the shuttered downstate correctional facility in near nearby Fishkill, Dutchess County. Nothing is off the table, Adams said. And by the way, in case you didn't know it, he's a Democrat. If anyone has other locations, we're open to listening. We're not taking anything off the table at all. We're going to look at both of these locations that you mentioned. And then, 
I think this is outlandish, but he has actually asked property owners in New York to help house migrants. He said earlier this week that he intends to relocate 300 recent arrivals to Orange and Rockland counties. Now, let me just ask you, how would you feel if this happened next door to you? If all of a sudden a van pulls up and 20 illegal aliens get out of the van and they go into a house that nobody lives in next door to you, how would that make you feel? What about your kids? What about your safety? Think about all those things. Here's the starter that kills the whole thing for me. They begin the process, whatever the process looks like, by breaking the laws. They're breaking the laws. So how, oh how, can you trust them? How could you ever trust somebody? How could you ever believe in them? When all the while, they've known they have a legal pathway that they can take if they just follow the rules. And the rules are laid out there for them. Alejandro Mayorkas and his people, instead of finding ways to open the southern border to let the flood of those illegals come across, they should be in Mexico and Nicaragua and every other Central American company and uh, country and Mexico teaching these illegals Here's how you can come to the United States. And if you don't come this way, we're going to turn you around and send you back just where you came from. After all, that's what the law says. Let's move on. Had enough of that. Didn't spend an hour on it, only 54 minutes. You want to talk about another debacle? Have you really paid close attention to California's reparations task force? New demands have come up. And the people that are making the demands are saying that in California, racial discrimination is legalized. It's legalized. You want the facts on that? (laughs) Have you thrown up yet during the show today? California's reparations task force, they're now seeking to legalize discrimination they're pushing back against discrimination but now they're going to legalize discrimination how they're going to repeal proposition 209 tell you about that in a minute what it is this group wrote in their final report that the law should be amended to allow pro-black discrimination in colleges and employment Earlier this week, the governor, Gavin Newsom, who is the one that established this task force, by the way, he refused to back their committee recommendation to give a handout of $1.2 million to every black resident in the state of California. I find it difficult to get past this one thing. What they want is for people like me, I never owned a slave, Never had anybody in my extended family lineage that owned a slave. In fact, my family came over from Northern Europe and they came over as indentured servants. Now, what's the difference between an indentured servant and a slave? The indentured servant 
has a pathway to get out of it at the end of the time period that is set, but only if the person who paid the bill for which they are indentured or obligated agrees to let them out. There was no law that made it automatically happen. So in other words, my people were slaves. So they want me, and I don't live in California, thank God. I think it's a beautiful state. I've been there many times, and I love this state. I like to go there. I like to spend time there. But I don't want to live there for a multitude of reasons. But even in that, just think for a moment. Even if I lived there, do you think I would think it would be fair for the state to pay me $1.2 million just because of my skin color? That's what this is about. It's nothing other than skin color. What's going to happen at the end of this? They, if you run the math all the way down, 1.2 million by however many Afri- African Americans live there, it's about $800 billion the cost. California's already going to run a big deficit this year. So let me take this sh- down the daisy chain for you. And this will make a bunch of you mad, and it should. That's not the only place in the nation that is working on reparations. There are other states, there are other counties, other cities. Some cities have already cut a deal and have begun paying the deal. But, for example, California is not going to be able to pay this. The other states that are out there touting it and it looks like they're going to get stuck with a uh, not a requirement because I don't think legislatures are going to vote for it, but a promise for these payments They're going to turn to the federal government. California will for sure. We don't have $800 billion to pay for this. We can't pay our normal bills, let alone come up with another $800 billion. Uncle Sam, you need to step in and take care of this. After all, you were the author and the finisher of the Civil War to end slavery. That means you realized it was evil. You put yourself in that line of fire, so you pay the bill. You would be the American taxpayer. There's no other possible explanation than for taxpayers to pick up the bill. I mean, as it stands now, California taxpayers would have to anyway. But they want to spread that around to people like you and me. We didn't do anything wrong. And and look at it the other way. Maybe your maybe your great 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 grandparents were slave owners. It was horrible. It was it, it, the worst offense I think a person can do to another person is to take them slaves, make them slaves. Any human being. It's inconscionable for a person to actually own another person. But even if your great-great-great-great-grandparents owned a slave, did you own one? What's the reasoning to make you responsible for something so egregious, but you had nothing to do with it? And oh, by the way, none of these people had to be subject to slavery. None of them have been owned by someone else. And yet, the governor, his policy, 
their demand, $1.2 million a check to each of them? Wouldn't you like somebody just to write you a $1.2 million check, maybe because of your skin color? Whew. And then there would be people with pride that would turn it down. But how many of, how many of those do you think would? And that, that's not even the issue. The issue is we have given this country over to a group of symbolic sycophants that do not care for the rule of law, do not love the country, can't stand the Constitution, can't stand people with different ideologies, abhor the First and Second Amendments, but they want all the rights and privileges that come with the government, that come with the Constitution, that come with the freedoms that are part of the Constitution and the right to live here and work and chase their their dreams. They want all of that, but they don't want to pay the price to do it. And worse, they're demanding you and I pay for something that we had nothing to do with. Why? Because they're the ones that are realistic and reasonable and honest and they deserve it just because they say they deserve it. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids have bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita. What them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here are the smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. 
Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. Talk about the election that's coming up. Not anytime soon, 2024, November 2024, an election for president. Of course, all 435 positions in the U.S. House of Representatives as well. But the one, the biggie, we all know what that is, and that's the presidential race. We have a few Republicans that are going after the spot for the Republican nomination chiefly, of course, former President Donald Trump. On the Democrat side, we've had a couple that have weighed in, chief among those, of course, the president, Joe Biden. So what do you think about Joe Biden's chances? Let me just tell you something coming out of the White House. Democrats' top White House officials They are very discreetly and privately discussing their fears of Joe Biden's chances in a 2024 rematch with former President Trump. That's yet another indication of the Biden team's angst for the re-election. And of course, everybody thought on the Democrat side that, oh, Biden's going to run, Trump's going to run again, and Biden will trounce him. Prominent Biden officials have privately disclosed their concerns about his newly launched re-election campaign, which currently, uh, this, the, just a few little things here. They don't have a headquarters. They have two, count them, two full-time staff members and a finance director. Donors are getting really tired about the president's fundraising ability after recent polling show that his popularity is plunging, including in a head-to-head matchup against Donald Trump. Jim Messina, former campaign manager for President Barack Obama's re-election, here's what he said. This is a Democrat now. Quote, Democrats are bedwetters historically. There's like just full-throated panic. I guess that kind of says they're a little worried about it, right? One Washington Post-ABC poll showed that most Democrats and even left-leaning independents, they want somebody else to be the party's nominee rather than Biden. Only 32% think he has enough mental capacity to even be the president. His approval rating went to a new all-time low, 36%, and he lost to Trump in a hypothetical matchup 45% for Trump, 38% for Biden. Now, this is not a conservative Republican poll. It's ABC. It's a warning, said Terrence Woodbury, who's CEO of the progressive firm Hit Strategies. They are very confident in the White House. They're most confident in their record. He is a creature of the legislature, and he believes that passing legislation is good governing, and he's passed some really good legislation, but that ain't always good politics. Please give me one 
piece of legislation that he passed that's very, very good. One. Even one. While some Biden aides don't want to even take anything for granted, I guess that's just being smart. Others downplayed their critics, insisted Biden's record is enough. The Biden-Harris re-election campaign is building on the work of a historically strong Democrat National Committee and state party operation unified after the best midterm performance of a sitting president since FDR and on the offense against a deeply unpopular MAGA agenda. That's Kevin Munoz, Biden's campaign spokesperson. The pundits in Beltway Media have always underestimated Joe Biden. He's proven the doubters wrong every time. Real clear politics. I read their stuff pretty much every day. Their average for a general election matchup between Trump and Biden, based on polls they conducted between April 11th and May 5th, show that Trump has a lead over the president by just a little over one point. Of course, when you reach out to the White House, they don't say anything about it. They don't want to talk about it. Joe Biden won't go out and campaign. Have you thought about that? Did he do it the first time? No, he didn't. He campaigned from the basement at his house in Delaware, pretty much all. Hardly ever got out, wouldn't debate until the very end when he had no way to get out of it. And most people felt like he lost the debates. And then we won't even get into the debacle at the elections around the nation. I think it's far from over, and I don't think he is anywhere close to being able to win again. And it wouldn't matter to me if it was Donald Trump or some other conservative. Americans are sick and tired of this. We're going to take everything from you and give it to people that don't want to pay the price to live here legally. They're tired of that. Americans work hard for their money. They, they work hard for their families. They work hard for their communities. And they're tired of giving it up. There's a very outspoken Texas senator, very outspoken about especially all this illegal activity, Ted Cruz. He's going absolutely nuts down at the border today. And he's really calling out his own party, saying Republicans aren't doing enough. He was in Texas before last night when the Title 42 expired. He said this, let me ask you something. What rate of illegal immigration did we have in 2020? Do you know anything? That's Cruz shooting back at a reporter who was bickering with the senator. Do you know anything about it? How long have you been an officer? How long have you been in office? The reporter asked him. I've been in office 11 years, he said. You don't get to argue with me. You asked your question. You asked your question. You want to hold the press conference? You can do it over there. That's Cruz shouting back at the reporter as the reporter interrupted him. But hold on. I want to answer his question, the senator said. The talking point of the Democrats, which this media reporter happily parrots, is, gosh, the problem can't be fixed. There's one little problem with that. It's an utter and complete lie. In 2020, the last year of the Trump presidency, we had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. You ask what I've done, Cruz continued. 
He's talking to the same reporter. I've championed the men and women of Border Patrol. I've championed securing the border. I've championed remain in Mexico. And we turned this problem around and solved it. We went from Joe Biden inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. And his first day in office, he made political decisions to cause this problem. You should be ashamed of yourself because you're a reporter and you're not reporting facts. You're telling people lies. Thousands of migrants flooded over last night beginning right at 12 midnight. Let's move on to some other stuff. Let's talk about another branch of the government that's struggling with their integrity right now. That would be the Department of Justice under Attorney General Merrick Garland. Do you remember that in the January 6th debacle that happened. You remember all of those reports that leaked out that there were FBI agents that were actually embedded in those crowd of insurgents or whatever they want to call them? Factually, the, that was proven that that did happen. Our Tuesdays in our second hour partner, Steve Baker, was there on the ground, videoed that happening interviewed some of them subsequently, and he's been on our show numerous times. In fact, he comes on every Tuesday, and he talks about the facts there. Now, does that sound legitimate to you? FBI agents infiltrating groups of people. Maybe the groups of people are bad. Maybe they're even terrorists. But instead of just arresting them or investigating them, watching them, making sure they're not committing e- illegal acts, you you surreptitiously embed somebody in the middle of them? The Justice Department's proposed anti-discrimination policy, what in the heck are they talking about? It would limit the ability of FBI agents and other federal law enforcement officers to infiltrate groups they have termed terrorist groups. And let me just say this. I'll qualify it. Their definition of terrorist groups is not your definition or my definition of terrorist groups. It's anybody that they feel like doesn't like them, the Department of Justice. I'm serious. Documents were uncovered that revealed all this. Those documents came from somebody that is still anonymous and they're the ones that broke this information for us. The DOJ's new anti-discrimination policy would expand restrictions against the use of protected characteristics in law enforcement activities, even when using protected characteristics to identify a suspect might be unlawful. When the new guidelines are finalized, officers would be prohibited from taking into account a person's actual or perceived race, ethnicity, gender, nationality, national origin, religion, sexual orientation, sex characteristics, disability status, or gender identity. This is from the document. These restrictions extend to the use of facially neutral factors as a proxy for protected characteristics. In other words, 
you can't go fake it. You can't go lie, cheat. You can't go incite those people to do it. And they wanted to do it and were doing it and wanted it to be made permanently legal for them to do that. Does that in any way bother you at all? Doesn't that sound like a violation of your personal rights? I don't care if people don't like it, but we the people have the right to peacefully protest. And that's what the Constitution guarantees. Peaceably, not peacefully, peaceably. We can speak our minds. Peaceably. Exceptions to this anti-discrimination policy. And I don't even know why they call it anti-discrimination. Exceptions are provided for suspect-specific info that may satisfy the detailed list of criteria, which, if it's going to happen, that should be the only way it happens anyway. One of the criteria required for exceptions is a connection to a particular criminal activity or particular violation of federal immigration law. This kind of stuff, it comes out in the middle of other really important stuff in the news media, the leftist news media from where this story came from, they know it's going to get buried. It's going to get buried right in the middle of all this illegal immigration stuff and nobody's going to see or hear about it and nobody's going to question, what the heck, Mr. Attorney General, are you you trying to sneak FBI agents into these groups? When you have no proof these people have done anything wrong, Something else happening in the way of elections. Trying to think if I want to get into it now. I think I'm going to wait. Honestly, I want to get off of the illegal immigration topic. It's 18 minutes past the hour. We still have some time left in the show. There are some other atrocities that are happening And by the way, there are one or two good things that are happening in our nation. We all need to take a collective deep breath. You may be saying, "Uh, we're okay, Dan. Maybe you need to take a deep breath. I'm going to do that right now. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? 
When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done. Got my deep, deep, deep breath there. Thank you for allowing me (laughs) to go off microphone for just a minute or two. How about this evidence on the Biden family? You think we ought to talk about that or is that beating a dead horse? No, I don't think it's beating a dead horse. My opinion is it's something really important. It's out there. We heard about this evidence that the CIA had, remember when that letter came out from those 51 intelligence, ex-intelligence officers, various branches of the federal government, that they all said that was Russian disinformation, credible information the CIA has gathered. It proves the laptop is Russian disinformation. Well, one former top intelligence officer with oversight threats ahead of the 2020 election, he said the CIA had no such evidence. No evidence that Hunter Biden's laptop had anything to do with the Russian disinformation campaign, despite the claims that came from, of course, on the debate stage against Donald Trump in the 2020 election. He said it was Russia disinformation. And he said the CIA... Those 51 experts, they had the evidence that proved that. They didn't have it. That letter was signed by former President Obama CIA Director John Brennan, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, former CIA Director and Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, among 48 others. However, in an interview, former National Intelligence Officer for Cyber, Chris Porter, he said that claims from Biden supporters did not reflect the actual intelligence. He said this, As the intelligence officer in charge of U.S. intelligence community analysis of foreign threats to U.S. elections in 2020, I was concerned at the time about this letter because it did not reflect or understanding of the threat. Yes, it looked like the kind of thing Moscow might do, but as our unclassified report to the public later indicated, despite extensive influence campaign, there was no evidence this particular item was Russian disinformation. Any political 
scandalous information from a nebulous source might be consistent with their sponsorship, but that doesn't make it appropriate for senior officials to throw their weight into domestic politics by insinuation without clear and compelling evidence, he said. By the way, he served as a CIA analyst for nearly a decade, worked as one of the most senior cyber intelligence analysts until last year. It was reported this week that former Deputy CIA Director Michael Morell, you may heard, he worked to write the letter. And he was looking to get support from these ex-intelligence officials for Joe Biden in the election. And he sent a draft of the statement to the CIA's pre-publication classification review board before it went public. And by the way, he also consulted our current Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, about that letter. Blinken helped write the letter, our current Secretary of State. Morell told the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees that this outfit, PCRB, that group they sent it to them, make it be approved before it would go out, that they approved the letter as written on the same day they got it. One more former senior intelligence official said that in that review process, it could range from hours to months normally, depending on the length of the document being cleared and whether there are any elements that are questionable. And if you're helping get rid of Trump and you're potentially going to be their boss after that happens, you can get it done faster. That's what it looked like happened here. In a statement, the CIA rejected the idea that the politics plays a role in any of those decisions. Yeah, right. Political considerations play no role in the CIA pre-publication review board's established process to determine whether information submitted by current and former officers contains any classified information. The PCRB is composed entirely of staff officers who conduct these reviews. Three days after that letter was made public, Joe Biden took to the debate stage. He used it as a talking point in the final 2020 presidential debate to rebut criticisms made by then-President Donald Trump. I'll never forget what Biden said. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. It was all fabricated. It was all untrue. It was fake. It was a lie. And oh, by the way, news has come out, more news has come out, that there's more evidence, negative evidence about Joe Biden and China. By the way, on another note, Elon Musk is now named a new CEO at Twitter. He's borne that title temporarily, and it's a woman, female. I guess I can say that. Her name is Linda Yaccarino. Linda Lacarino. Yaccarino with a Y. Longtime NBC Universal Advertising Executive. She's going to replace Elon. I'm excited to welcome Linda Yaccarino as the new CEO of Twitter. Must tweeted early this morning. 
Yaccarino has served as a global chair for advertising and partnership at NBC. She resigned from NBC Universal on Friday morning, a day after Musk said he hired a new female CEO for the social media platform. And he did not name her at that time. He did that later this morning. He said in a tweet that he put out on Thursday, the new CEO would start in about six weeks, that he will become executive chair and chief technology officer overseeing product, software, and psyops. It's kind of interesting. Is there anything else, anything else important happening any, anywhere else in our world? Do you need to hear about some more bad stuff or you want to hear about some good stuff? <laughs> Is there any good stuff to hear about? Oh my gosh. There's Vladimir Putin news today. <sighs> Something happened, kind of a nasty thing happened over there in Russia. A woman was convicted in a Russian court yesterday for desecrating the grave of Russian President Vladimir Putin's parents with a derogatory note. Irina Tisbaneva, a 60-year-old retiree from St. Petersburg, Russia, was found guilty, given a two-year suspended prison sentence for leaving the letter at the graves of Putin's parents. They were Spiridonovich, Vladimir Spiridonovich Putin, and Maria Ivanova Shelomova. The note that she placed on the guarded grave on the eve of Putin's birthday in October read, Parents of a maniac, take him to your place. He causes so much pain and trouble. The whole world prays for his death. Death to Putin. You raised a monster and a murderer. While Saibaneva did plead partially guilty by admitting she left the note, she claimed that her actions weren't motivated by hatred, but rather grief after watching the news about Russia's war with Ukraine. After seeing the news, I was overwhelmed by fear. I felt very unwell. The fear was so strong that I could not cope with it, and this is possibly my fault. I barely remembered writing the note. I don't have any recollection of the text itself. You know, we're all guilty of saying things right off the the cuff, just automatically. You think it, bam, you say it. I don't know that that woman made, uh, at least made or chose the right time to do that. She's going to prison for doing it. The United Kingdom has come out and uh, they have announced that they're going to be the first country to send some longer range cruise missiles to Ukraine. But they send those and they're saying at the same time they are not for striking Russia. They donated, and we don't even know the number, but it's a bunch of longer range stealth crude, cruel cruise missiles to Ukraine saying 
These were for the purpose of pushing back Russian forces based within Ukrainian sovereign territory. Confirmation of this was made by Defense Minister Ben Wallace. It came after claims in CNN earlier in the day that MBDA developed missiles had already been delivered. That's probably the only reason they came out and admitted it. In the official announcement, the UK government through Wallace made clear the cruise missiles could not be nuclear tipped and were for defensive use only. While saying the donation gave Ukraine new military capabilities, he also played down the implications of the new weapon system, likely preempting Russian claims of escalation, which they always do, pointing out that a variety of Russian and Iranian weapons already in the theater had considerably longer range compared to the roughly 150-mile Storm Shadow missiles. Saying these new long-range missiles going to Ukraine were a calibrated and proportionate response to Russia's escalations and that Russia might recognize that their actions alone have led to such systems being provided. In other words, it's your fault, buddy. You shouldn't be out there being aggressive and pushing back and doing the things that you're doing. I still don't understand how Vladimir Putin could justify this invasion of Ukraine that has turned out, to be quite honest with you, as his Achilles heel. This could be something that could undo his lead in his long-held country because he's now saying, do you understand, have you heard that there are 60-year-old Russians that are being forced to serve in the military because they don't have enough younger military members that have been slaughtered in the thousands in this war in Ukraine? That's not just a small thing, folks. It's a big thing, as a matter of fact. Chuck Schumer, America's favorite Democrat Senate Majority Leader, he's put out some information for his fellow Democrats. He's directing them in the Democrat caucus to share what he calls sobering projections on a debt default that he says could happen. And they need to get with their constituents in a bid to ratchet up pressure on Republicans during these negotiations on the federal borrowing limit. Nobody on the left wants to even talk about or admit that the Republican Party put a great plan together. They agreed to increase the debt limit to exactly what Joe Biden wanted. But they also said, wait a minute. We can't give you another blank check. We've given you too many of those. You don't use that money wisely. In fact, billions of those dollars haven't even been spent that you forced us at gunpoint to give you for COVID relief. The COVID pandemic is over. You did so yourself say that it is over. That money can be taken and repurposed and used to pay down our debt pay some bills that you say we need to pay. I mean, we're not talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. President Biden and his staff, they have not come back with one 
one thing that they would consider doing. They demand the only thing that can happen in this is that Republicans give the president a blank check and let him borrow as much money as he wants to spend on whatever he thinks it should be spent on. Schumer told him this by a letter that he sent out today, which was meant to be the second time all four congressional leaders, two from the Senate, two from the House, they sat down with President Biden to talk about the debt ceiling. But the meeting was called off on Thursday afternoon. That signaled that interim discussions between congressmen and White House staff have so far, they've come away with nothing to make enough headway for another meaningful follow-up. McCarthy, House Speaker McCarthy said this. Earlier this week, I met with President Biden, Speaker McCarthy, Leader McConnell. No, this is Schumer talking. I met with President Biden, Speaker McCarthy, Leader McConnell, Leader Jeffries to discuss the pressing need to avoid the nation's first ever default. Our message to our Republican colleagues was plain and simple. Take default off the table, Schumer wrote. Oh, you know, we said it, so that's what you've got to do. you got to do it our way or the highway. You know how American people feel about all this? They're demanding that the Biden administration stop spending the money they're spending. That America doesn't have that much money. We don't have the money to pay our own bills. We need to lower the bills that we're going to pay. Now, their getaway from it is, no, this, this money... We need this money. We need to pay for bills that we've already we've already used. We spent the money already. We just have to pay the bill. It's not to go do something new and different. Do you run your house that way? Do you run your company that way? Do you run your budget that way? Just go if you see something you like, go buy it. Forget about it. Write a check. Oh, there's not enough in the bank to recover to cover the check, so let it bounce. It goes back, and then they reach out to you, the place where you bought it, spent the money, and you got to find a way to pay it. That's exactly what this is. It shouldn't have been spent, and yet they did it. Well, Congress gave them authority to do it. No, Democrats did. Democrats had the majority in both houses when all this happened. They voted. Republicans didn't vote with them. Democrats are the ones that want the American people to underwrite whatever they want to do in economics and, oh, by the way, in immigration. Facts don't matter. Law doesn't matter. None of it matters. All that matters is what Democrats say we should do We should be allowed to do it. Education Secretary has just stepped up to the table. Now, what the request from the Secretary is, it may be legitimate, but guess what it is principally framed around? $578 million more money to the Education Secretary. What for? 
to boost mental health providers in schools. Think about this with me. Secretary of Education's name is Miguel Cardona. Continue to place emphasis on increasing the money we have and we spend on mental health services in public schools. This came up in a hearing two days ago. Appropriations Committee, they already considered his historically high $90 billion proposed budget for fiscal year 2024. That's just a little increase. Only $10.8 billion. And if and when we look at the content of this bill, it shows that nearly every existing and new program contains much more funding to increase mental health services to these schools, including the doubling of what Cardona, the secretary, referred to as school social workers. This is a quote from Cordona. I'm going to ask you to listen to the quote and you tell me what word sticks out the most for you. The student in her family would get wraparound support, said Cardona, who always refers to a fictional student as she. And he added, and if she faced some challenges with her mental health, as we know many students do, she can go directly to a mental health professional right at her school because the school benefited from our budget investment of another half billion dollars to advance the goal of doubling the number of school counselors, school social workers, and mental health providers that are available to our kids at this time when we're living in a youth mental health crisis. In general funding, Cardona's asked for an additional $578 million to pay for the increase in mental health providers. That's in addition to $1 billion recently given under the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act to address what the Education Department calls mental health staffing shortages. This just gets out of hand. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Do you realize, let's talk about some education spending. Let's talk about some COVID-19. Joe Biden's first COVID-19 spending bill. Do you know how much money he gave to the Los Angeles Public School Department for COVID relief deals? Just guess. $600 billion. One county, one public school system. $600 billion. Basically, no strings attached. There's no audit out there that shows what that school system did with every dime of that $600 billion American taxpayers gave them. Not $6 billion. $600 billion. Let me just put it in perspective for you. Let's talk about, oh, I don't know, Berkeley, University of Berkeley. 
Actually, the official title is University of California at Berkeley. That means it's a public university. It's a very far-left university. I don't think much of it, but for the comparison and for the thought process for you, think about this one thing. Let's just say we wanted to help minority Californians. Yeah, that's something that I think everybody should consider doing, helping all of our colleges do better than they can do to give opportunities to those people, those students that don't have the money to go to college to help them find ways to do just that. One way would be for Californians not the federal government, not taxpayers in my state or your state, but Californians to come up with a way to provide every student in California with certain criteria, undergraduate type criteria, of course, but give them a really good scholarship to go to college. How far would $600 billion go for that? You and I know that over time that money would be eaten up by a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. We know that. But nevertheless, far more would be done with that money than has been done in the Los Angeles Public School Department finding ways, COVID-19 particular ways to take care of things for the school's the teachers and the students in Los Angeles County, excuse me, the city of Los Angeles. We don't have money to spend. They're arguing desperately over justification, the need for a blank check from Republicans so they can just go borrow as much money as they want to pay the bills. That $600 billion is part of the bills that are unpaid. You can't make this stuff up. This is the most insane, unbelievable, unrealistic nightmare that we're living in, and it's self-instigated. It's not something that is a product of, of nature, natural things. I don't care what you say about COVID-19. It was at least manipulated. If it did not come directly from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the laboratory there, if it wasn't purposely released on the globe, it was enhanced artificially there. It has to be dealt with, but the perpetrators who are instigators of it all need to be called to question for what they did or allowed to be done and to just throw $600 billion at it for one public school system. If that's not the definition of insanity, I don't know what is. And we're talking about money. We might as well mention inflation. There's something new that's being floated around by economists. Our consumer sentiment 
in May, the month of May, it has just fallen through the floor. It plunged as worries over the direction of our economy worsened, household expectations for inflation over the long run are going through the roof. University of Michigan's index of consumer sentiment fell to 57.7%. That's 9% lower than the April score. May survey of consumers showed it dropped that far because of Bidenomics. The sudden downturn, it was not expected. Year ahead, expectations plummeted. In other words, that's where we look ahead and say things are going to get better or worse. It plummeted 23% from last month. And it fell 16% regarding long-run expectations. This is an indication that consumers are worried that a looming economic downturn will not be brief. It's going to be long and it's going to be egregious. The sudden downturn, Joanne Sue, the director of this particular poll, said, while current incoming macroeconomic data show no sign of recession, consumers' worries about the economy escalated in May alongside the proliferation of negative news about the economy, including the debt crisis standoff. If policymakers fail to resolve the debt ceiling crisis, these dismal views over the economy will exacerbate the dire economic consequences of default. The labor market still looked at as being strong, but the anticipation of a recession will lead consumers to stop spending. If it begins to weaken, it's going to be bleak across the board. Expectations for inflation in the year ahead ticked down to 4.5% from 4.6% in April. But in the long run, the expectations for inflation, which are closely watched by the Federal Reserve, rose to 3.2%, the highest reading since 2011. This marked a move above the range of 29 to 3% that has held for the past two years. It suggests that consumers are increasingly worried that inflation could get stuck at a high level. In other words, things aren't rosy. Things are not getting better. And listen, when you factor all of the unknowns in about the cost, and not just dollars and cents, but the overall cost to our infrastructure, to our social structure, to our environments and our states, our cities, our towns, and in every place in the United States, there is no southern border crisis anywhere now. It's an American border crisis, and it's impacting every one of the 50 states and every city in every one of the 50 states. You couple that with stagflation. You couple that with a president that totally disregards his constitutional duties, totally, and has single-handedly opened the southern border and is allowing anybody and everybody in that wants to come in with no recourse, no accountability, 
it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And on that note, I'm going to end today's show. Again, if you did not know it, we're broadcasting live from Harai. That's spelled H-A-R-A-R-E, Harari. It's hard to say. (laughs) But that's the capital city of Zimbabwe. We'll be back in the United States next week. But until then, I want you to try your best to not let all of this stuff, even though it's truthful, it's still negative and it'll drag us all down if we just consume our thoughts thinking about it. We've got to take control of that thought. We've got to take control of that fear. We've got to pray. And we have to reach out to our lawmakers and urge them with the highest priority that they must do whatever they can do to stop this illegal immigration that is destroying our nation. The very fiber of this nation is under attack. We'll break away for the weekend back on Monday morning. Don't forget our bullet point offerings on Saturday, every Saturday when you get up, grab a cup of coffee, sit down with it, with us, and go and you'll see at least 10 stories. We call them bullet points. We give you the first few sentences that describe some of the biggest stories of the week. And there's an arrow at the end of each bullet point. If you want to get more information or see a full story, click there. If you don't, just go down to the next bullet point and start the process over there. It's a great way to catch up without having to go through the entire week listening to me for two hours every day tell you about all that stuff. And there's so much more that we don't even ever have time to cover, but that are important. Catch up with us tomorrow with our uh, Bullet Point Saturday at truthnewsnet.org. Till then... And until Monday, you guys have a blessed and a great weekend. Thank you for participating in TNN Live. And has blood has ransomed people for a whole guy. From every tribe and language, people, every nation. Well,